greater than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks. Let me God, I pray that the words that come from my mouth make sense because they are inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, this week we're concluding our series on the book of Hebrews. If you were here last week, we've skipped forward a few chapters and landed right in the middle of this letter in chapter 7. If you're wondering what you've missed, uh, it's still about Jesus and we're still wrestling with this imagery of Jesus as a high priest. Even though there is still more of the book of Hebrews to go and we still have the option over the next few Sundays of reading more of the letter to the Hebrews, um, we're not. We're actually going to focus over the next two weeks on the book of Ruth. Um, so um, that should be really exciting. Um, two amazing women are going to preach on this amazing book about an amazing woman and her mother-in-law. So I'm looking forward uh, to that uh, starting next week. But in the meantime, you're stuck with me doing more of Hebrews. Um, it might seem like an odd place to finish a series, but in ancient writing, you didn't flick to the back of the book to find the gripping revelation or ending. You actually went to the middle of the book to find out what the main points were. So in that sense, finishing in the middle of the letter to the Hebrews is the perfect place to end our series. As we mentioned in previous weeks, this letter to the Hebrews is probably not a letter, but actually a sermon that was delivered and then recorded and written down, probably transcribed in some way, to encourage mostly Jewish Christians to keep the faith in the midst of persecution and suffering. So what do we make of this sermon which has one of its main points looking to an image of Jesus that is a high priest? In the small section of the letter, we get to understand the purpose and the power of this high priestly imagery. But it's a little bit difficult for us sitting in the middle of the Gold Coast in 2018, surrounded by Western culture, to understand what this imagery really means. Partly because we're completely removed from the Jewish priestly system that revolved around the temple. Partly because the church in general has not spent a lot of time focusing on this image. When I was uh, looking back at previous years, um, even though I've come across this reading numerous times, I've never preached on it because the gospel reading about um, Bartimaeus is so great. I've always wanted to preach on Bartimaeus. But because we're doing a series, we're on Hebrews today. So I've paid a little bit more attention to it. Partly because we also don't always connect 
with this image of Jesus. Because there are so many other images of Jesus presented through Scripture that we might relate to more readily. There are more than 50 different images, names, and titles for Jesus if we're reading through Scripture. And some of them originate with Jesus himself. In John's Gospel, we have what they call the famous I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world, the good shepherd, and so on. Beautiful ways that Jesus describes himself to help us understand who Jesus is. And the way that Jesus tells and teaches are through parables also encourages us to imagine Jesus, to imagine ourselves, and to imagine God using imagery and metaphor. And much of this has been reflected in the artwork, in the stained glass windows of the church throughout the last 2,000 years. Pictures of Jesus that help us to connect. One of um, my favourite um, blues and roots artists is uh, singer-songwriter Ben Harper. Anybody heard of Ben Harper? If you're a regular, you shouldn't be a regular to the Byron Bay Blues Festival because it happens at Easter time. You should be in church at Easter time, but he's a regular at Byron Bay. And he's got um, a song called Picture of Jesus, and this is the chorus. Now, I've got a picture of Jesus. That's Ben Harper and the Blind Boys of Alabama uh, singing a picture of Jesus. If you missed the lyrics, I've got a picture of Jesus in his arms, my prayers rest. I've got a picture of Jesus, and with him we shall be forever blessed. Having a picture of Jesus in our hearts and minds or even literally hanging up on our walls, has strengthened, lifted, comforted, consoled, challenged, transformed, and confronted Christians throughout the ages. I'm sure each of you have your own story of how picturing Jesus on the cross has moved you. How imagining Jesus washing the feet of his disciples has challenged you how placing Jesus in front of the empty tomb has given you hope. But there's not one single image that completely encompasses the full nature of who Christ is. But every single one of us, of those images, can draw us into a closer understanding and relationship with Jesus. But I wonder whether you've ever pictured Jesus in Jewish high priestly robes. I have to say it's not my go-to image of Jesus. Uh, in fact, 
I don't think I've, I've seen a lot of stained glass windows in my time. I don't think I've seen a stained glass window with Jesus dressed like that. But for these early Jewish Christians and for the author of the letter to Hebrews, this is a powerful image. And it was critical in helping them to endure what they were going through at that time. Many modern Christians don't like to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. We're going to force you next week to go to Ruth. Uh, But sometimes we find that the image of God and the people of God that we find in the Old Testament confronts and challenges us. So we like the safety, we think the relative safety of the New Testament. But to understand Hebrews, we actually have to understand the world of the Old Testament and the God who is clearly presented in the Old Testament and the way the people of Israel responded to that God. I believe that having an understanding of the Old Testament is critical to our faith. It's not just an optional extra to have the New Testament and the Old Testament. We need them both together to more clearly understand who God is. So I would encourage you not to skip over those difficult parts of the Old Testament and also encourage you to come in the next two weeks to learn about Ruth. So before we go back to the Old Testament, let's try and understand if we can actually connect with this image of Jesus as the high priest. The beginning of this passage from um, our, our reading today emphasizes the permanency of Jesus' priesthood. You are a priest forever. He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And that's really significant. The Jewish people would understand that although the high priest was important, the most important role um, in Judaism, they came, they did their job, they died, and they got a new one. There are not many offices in our world today where someone maintains their position indefinitely. Perhaps some of us might like to ponder that we could like our prime ministers in Australia to last a little bit longer than what they have in the last 10 or so years. But in general terms, kings, queens, prime ministers, presidents either get voted out or their term ends And even lifetime positions eventually end when a person dies. Even in churches, clergy come and they go. The changing of the guard, if you like, can be an important process in the time of organisations as the roles are changed by the person leaving them the role in and of itself and the organisation can change. It's not unusual that organisations, including the church, can 
have a real transformation when new leadership comes in. Of all the roles and images that are portrayed through Scripture, it's the role of the high priest or the priesthood that helps, I think, us to fully understand the relationship that we have with God. Historically, in the Jewish worldview, the role of a priest was simply put to bring offerings and to offer sacrifices. As a priest, Jesus makes intercessions. He intercedes on our behalf. And in fact, the writer describes him as always living for the purpose of pleading for them, the ones who come through Jesus to God. And this is why in our times of gathered worship, in our times of personal prayer, we pray in the name of Jesus. In the Catholic tradition, and because Anglicans are both Reformed and Catholic, it's present in in our denomination as well, there is a tradition of intercession where we ask someone who we know to be close to God to intercede on our behalf. A little bit later in in our service, Bruno is going to lead us in a time of prayer. Um, And as he does that, he's not delivering his personal prayers for his interests and agenda. He's praying on behalf of all of us. And you might, from time to time, um, particularly if you've had any history of connection with um, Catholic, the Catholic Church or, or that, what we call the Anglo-Catholics in the, in the Anglican tradition, you might have heard people say that they're praying to a saint. Well, what they're really doing is not praying to the saint, but they're praying through the saint because they know that that saint has been a godly person and should be close to God. But the writer to the Hebrews is seeing Jesus as high priest, as the only person that we need to pray to and through. Because that's as close to God as we need to be. Because that is God. Only the high priest, if you remember Elroy's sermon last week, could go into the temple. The place that they believed God resided. And it was the high priest's role to bring in the sacrifices and the offerings, the really, really important ones, into that place. And Jesus coming and living and dying and and rising again didn't bring a traditional offering. There was no grain, no livestock. He became the ultimate sacrifice, offering his whole life, his very life, very being. And as an appointed son, Jesus' priesthood is perfect or completed All of these priestly duties, the offerings and the sacrifices, 
are conducted in order to make it possible for us, the believers, to draw close to God, to become at one. And that's what the Jewish people had thought, that, well, we bring our livestock and our grain and, and goods, we give it to the high priest and all the things that we've done wrong would be forgiven and we can start again. But having Jesus as this high priest is to acknowledge that Jesus is a constant mediator, a constant bridge, our way over and out and through the difficult circumstances that we face into the presence of a loving God. Uh, If you've been with us uh, throughout this year, you'll know that our theme this year has been closer. It strikes me that perhaps we should have been looking at this image of Jesus' high priest a little bit earlier in the year as we are able to represent the intimacy of the closeness that we have to God through this image. How often have we come into the presence of someone important who, while they're still a mere mortal, almost seem unapproachable? Their status or their position or their attitude can lead us to believe that this person is so important and we're not worthy to get too close. I'm sure over the last few weeks you've seen the visit of of Prince Harry and Meghan um, and the way that the crowds have responded and and the the ones that have just lost their minds as they've walked past or given them a hug or the ones that are so standoffish that they don't want to get too close. Well, this week I was actually in the presence of celebrity. Get excited. I was uh, just down around the corner at my local gym uh, doing a workout that I do every single day of the week. No, I don't. (laughs) Um, When out of one of the closed-off sections of the gym um, came one of the trainers from the series, The Biggest Loser, Tiffany. Now, I have to admit, she, I think she was only in The Biggest Loser for one or two seasons, um, but wow, presence of greatness. Um, and <laughs> she was obviously doing a photo shoot um, for an upcoming promotion for Good Life Gym. Um, So if you see that coming up, know that Stuart was just across the other side of the gym watching. Um, It might have been her flying high kicks um, um, or her punching uh, into the air um, that um, really did give me the impression, but I really thought she was unapproachable. (laughs) So I just stood over there. I didn't want to even get my phone out and uh, just watched what was going on. In the presence of what really are just ordinary people, we can feel intimidated, unworthy, like their gifts and talents are better than ours. Sometimes we get the glimpse of closeness and and proximity to these important people. And we can be in awe. Sometimes we might even be brave enough to introduce ourselves. But really that doesn't actually lead to any sense of personal connection. But I want you to imagine something different. Imagine 
that a friend grabs you by your hand and walks you up to this famous person. It could be Prince Harry. It could be your favourite movie star. Maybe a famous singer like Ben Harper. Maybe even Tiffany from The Biggest Loser. And this friend of yours introduces you to this person and doesn't actually just leave it at that. They say to this famous person, this person that I have in my hand is someone that you need to know. How would that make you feel? This is essentially what the writer to the Hebrews wants us to think of Jesus, who takes us by the hand and introduces us to the creator of the universe, who needs to know us, needs to love us, in this way, Jesus is the pioneer and finisher of our faith. Jesus pierced the veil of the holies of holies. It says in scripture that the veil was torn in two. So we have access to the presence of God every minute, hour, moment of our waking lives of Jesus. Having made that introduction, it's no wonder that the author of this sermon exclaims that we should approach the throne of grace boldly. But Jesus is so much more than your personal wingman. Jesus lives for the very purpose of pleading for us. Not only did he create an opportunity for us to approach God by unlocking the door, he maintains the possibility for us to keep coming back to God, keeping that door open so we can be closer. Jesus, as high priest, expands our vision of who he is, of what he did, and perhaps more importantly, what he continues to do. His role as high priest reveals to us that we're in constant need of a saviour. We are in constant need of God's grace and mercy. And as such, Jesus is interceding on our behalf, reminding us that this grace and mercy is available to us. This is good news to anyone who's suffering. It was good news to the Hebrews and it's good news to us. And just as there's no limit to Jesus' priesthood, there's no limit to the grace and mercy that God extends to us who approach God through Jesus. 
I'm sure you still have your favourite image of Jesus locked away in your head and your heart. My favourite image of Jesus is Jesus kneeling at the feet of his disciples. And, And that hasn't changed since preparing this. But my prayer and hope is that you might look at the image of Jesus as a high priest and understand more clearly how much God loves you because who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and what Jesus continues to do for us. There's a beautiful prayer at the end of this letter. And it's a prayer, I think, that really draws us to where the author to this letter wants us to end up, close to God, through Jesus. And let me pray this prayer for you as I finish. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I invite Bruno to continue to intercede on our behalf.